Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Come to Daddy with Ruben Kay, the podcast about parents your therapist wishes you didn't listen to. I don't want to say I have too many daddy issues, but when I sit on a sex swing, I yell, push me higher. Hello and welcome to Come to Daddy, the podcast hosted by me, actress, model and winner of Miss Pelvic Flawless 1984, Reuben Kay. I'm a queer man, drag performer, comedian and competitive eating champion, but only for the hot dog of trauma. I've got a dead dad, an overbearing mum, so I'm no stranger to family dysfunction or showbiz. And today I'm combining both of them in a blatant plea for attention. And dear listener... You yourself don't have to be dysfunctional to listen to this podcast, but honestly, it does help. Because let's face it, our parents tried their best, but they didn't have a manual. And if they were reading a manual to be a parent, that's not good parenting. And most of them, despite their best intentions, have left behind some level of mild childhood trauma. Even the most well-adjusted people have a bit of unprocessed pain stuffed at the back of the closet. And I'm an expert at closets. I broke the doors when I came out of mine. So I'm going to Marie Kondo the fuck out of yours. And in this podcast, I'll be talking to my guests about their mums, their dads, and finding out how much they're to blame for the mess they created. And guess what? Sometimes I'll even listen. 
and I'm ably assisted in this task. I'm not alone. I couldn't possibly. I stand on the shoulders of my incredible producer, my friend, and the only Norman Bates impersonator to really get the wig right, Amanda Sangorski. Well, I've just got two things I want to say. (laughs) Firstly, he never tells me what he's going to say, so I have nothing. (laughs) I never have anything clever or relevant prepared. But I was worried that during that, one of the dogs started click-clacking across the laminate flooring. And I, so if anybody did hear that while Reuben was giving a proper sort of passionate um, intro, I'm sorry about that. That's one of the dogs. And the second thing, because oh. I can see Reuben trying to <laughs> stop me, is he did promise in the intro that he was going to listen. And, well, we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> I'm trying. Now, while I'm busy touching all of you, I would love for you to reach out and touch me. Yep, that's the phrasing I'm using, because if Neil Diamond can say it, so can I. This is the clarion call for you all to come to Daddy with your own stories about your parents. The good, the mad, the bad, the ugly, the funny, the painful. I want it all. The full gamut. Get in touch and let's make this cake together so we can get to the fun part, which is licking the bowl and wrapping our mouths around the beaters like that hellish episode of Come Dine With Me that lives in my head rent-free. If you do choose to dip your toe into the murky waters of the Come To Daddy podcast, email us at cometodaddypodcast at gmail.com. It's spelt exactly as you assume it is. Just to clarify, that's C-O-M-E to Daddy, not the way Reuben would spell it. Let's get into it. My guest on this podcast describes himself as a professional show-off and as a multi-talented denizen of comedy, TV, theatre and film. He can now be seen as a circus ringmaster, which is a job that's made for him and one that I love because I'm also great under a big top. Like many funny people, he's a product of a broken home. Definitely a recurring thing among guests on this show. It's Rufus Hound. Come to daddy, Rufus. Uh, I assume you add in the air horns, do you, at this point in post? We absolutely do, and the crowd's cheering. Rufus, you are are a first for us on Come to Daddy because you are the first time we've had an actual daddy on the podcast. We've had metaphysical daddies, sexual daddies, but an actual daddy with progeny in the world. Now, looks like in that introduction, do you mind me calling you the product of a broken home? Do you know, I just never quite thought of it like that. I think because my mum and dad split when I was 16, you know, 16, 17, that's kind of the age where I was going to be out of the house anyway. So although the home was breaking, I don't see myself as the product of one Mm. that was broken. I mean, developmentally, you were basically ready to be left in the woods to the wolves already. You know, that was it. Well, I think we're we're basically uh, in, uh, capable of doing that from the age of seven. That's why everything works on seven year cycles. Well, also, is this that- is why I pay tribute to the Greeks on this. Leave the children out in the woods, whichever ones come back strong enough to survive, and yeah. then straight into loincloths and body oil. Now, <laughs> look, we've got to move on. We have a questionnaire. This is my parental questionnaire, and I ask the same questions of all my guests. It is a great equaliser in the same way that Madonna thought COVID was the great equaliser as she sat in a bathtub full of rose petals, lavender, and stem cells. Quickfire answers, please. Names and ages of parents. Lynn and Bob. Um, he's 70. She's... 
uh, or 71, I think now. Um, and she is 69. Oh, lovely. Where do they live? Uh, my dad's out in Hampshire and my mum lives up in Lincolnshire. When was the last time you spoke to them? Uh, oh, I spoke to them, well, on text yesterday. Oh, um, which one? All, uh, both of them. There's a, there is a family text group. That has both of them in it? Both the, split parents who are in the same text group? That's right, yeah. How modern. Me and my brother and my mum and my dad. Lovely. And the, and the group is named after the house in which we were theoretically the most happy as a family, which was called Elmside. Oh. Uh, it had two big elm trees in the garden. Um, oh, that sounds lovely. It was lovely, yeah, down in a very leafy bit of Surrey. Did, your um, mum has another partner, right? She is now married to a man called Carl, uh, a.k.a. Wiggy. Lo- where did Wiggy come from? When where did the name? When was very small and being looked after by Lynn and Carl, Carl said, um, my name's Carl. And this kid looked up, screwed up his face, like in real sincere concentration. And Carl looked at him and went, Carl. And then the kid looks up at him and goes, Wiggy. And from that point onwards, he was called Wiggy. Look, I really do feel that sometimes when a child speaks its minds at that age, because of the intractability of a toddler, every yeah. adult goes, it's just going to be easier. Yeah, quite. Yeah, it was it. That was the universe speaking through this small boy was, no, that may have been who you were, but, but henceforth. <laughs> your Take up the mantle. Is, it's like his um, Patronus. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and are you, but Carl isn't on the WhatsApp chat? Carl is not in on their WhatsApp chat, no. Because he, him and my mum didn't meet until, uh, you know, I was 20-odd. He always had a very clear line of like, no, no, your dad's your dad, your mum's your mum, I'm your mum's, you know, fella. I mean, not everything goes in that mum and dad chat, I've got to be honest. Um, and there are other WhatsApp groups with, you know, other combinations of different people in. I feel like every every friendship group I have has an addendum, has a secondary group where we then discuss exclusively the person that we have taken out of that specific next addendum group. Yeah. That's what's happening here, isn't it? Carl's got his own WhatsApp group with his members of the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then we get into this awful um, thing of, you know, about poker. If you look around the table and you can't work out who the fish is, it's you. Absolutely. This is our it's- friendship group. If you say every group you're in has a spin-off group in which you bitch about the other person in the group, if I don't have any groups that I'm in like that, then I can now only assume that every group I'm in, I'm the person that everybody else has set up a group to go, Jesus Christ, Willie, shut up. If within my friendship group they all don't have a WhatsApp group that doesn't include me where they get to bitch about me, they're not my real friends. <laughs> they don't know you at all. Nah, they don't if know. They knew they- the whirling nightmare inside, they would know they needed a support network for each other. C- correct. Absolutely <laughs> correct. Now, here's another thing. I ask this of every person here, and I'm looking for a firm percentage here, and you would you would die at some of the percentages I've been given. Ooh. What percentage do you blame your parents for how you turned out? Wow. Keep in mind there is a fine line between credit and blame. I'm going to go 100%. Bam. Off the bat. That is strong. That is powerful. Yeah. All right. We're not going to ask you. We're not going to ask you to expand. 
We're not okay. going to ask you to expand. That's going to come later. All I right. just want our listeners to know that at no point has anything else in your life contributed to your identity. You've not learned anything. You've not taken on anything, any advice. You also haven't made any mistakes. Everything was formed from your parents. How's that sound as a summation? Does that seem fair? I'd like to ask Fantastic. Moving on. So to listen back to me starting to explain this, to being told, no, 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 we'll come back to this. And then having it explained back to me literally seconds later, in what I think we can all agree would be the most shockingly awful terms. Go on. Expand on it a little bit for us. Okay. There is a school of philosophy that states that there is a crime formed against you before you are born. It happens to you and without your consent. And that is that two people who are basically horny for each other decide that you now have to suffer the indignity of existing. I've got quite a lot of uh, sympathy with that as an idea, which is why I would say I blame my parents for all of it because of that (laughs) philosophical standpoint. I love that. Maybe you could say um, that the sexual congress of your parents was an intentional act to cause emotional distress and damage. If their intention was to create a child, then by that there is an intention to cause distress, emotional distress. Do you know, though, I think their argument would have to be that they had never themselves examined the human condition. My mum's from East Berlin and my dad's Russian. I don't think that's true. Yeah. No, I think you've got a case. But I think <laughs> I think you two absolute ravers from uh, Gravesend in Kent <laughs> would, would probably go, no, no, we thought it was all gravy, baby. We just saw an upward trajectory where everything was just going to get better and better into which we were going to bring this glorious blue-eyed boy. You saying, you're saying ravers. Are we talking LSD? Are we talking pills? Are we talking... No, well, just old-fashioned booze and good times, baby. Oh, babe. Was that kind of like that ebullience in those good times present in your childhood as well? Very much so, yeah. The blueprint that was set for me of what it is to be a man was someone who was largely absent because uh, from family life because um, their job just required kind of full commitment and travel and blah, blah, blah. What was your dad's job quickly? He was um, an accountant for a f- firm of lawyers. But my dad has literally never told me anything about any of it other than a litany of drinking stories. And do you think that was sort of um, his attempt to bond? Well, this is the thing. This is is the shame. I mean, I don't know what shape this story will take. Maybe it'll be more like memento than uh, traditional uh, chronology. (laughs) I'm down for that. I'm very much a Christopher Nolan fan and I think as a narrative arc. He makes the audience work. And I'm not interested in making anything where the audience doesn't have to do a small bit of cardio. Yeah, lovely. What, essentially, if this podcast doesn't have a spin-off Reddit thread where people join the uh, various clips <laughs> together to make We've, it, oh, it turns out he was dead at the beginning oh, and this was his superhero resurrection story. Uh, that's what the neck tattoo is. <laughs> it's all there. Why don't people look at the fucking tattoo? Jeez, is- right there. Oh, fuck. What were we talking about? My dad. 
Uh, Your dad yeah, turned. So, here, I've got a note here. I've got a note here. I've got to keep onto these notes. Otherwise, I'll just keep chatting. And Amanda is at the moment looking at me and holding a knife. So, your mum and dad are divorced. And I'm going to ask this as, sens- as sensitively as I can. What happened? Yeah, it's a reasonable question. So, I don't know how much of their dirty laundry needs airing in public without, you know, it's not necessarily uh, my story to go into the ins and outs. But what mm-hmm. I think is probably fair to say is I can give you the shape of it. Mm-hmm. which was that having been young people who were totally head over heels in love and, you know, like, let's go for it, let's start a family, then things became relatively shaky to the point where my mum began to worry that if uh, she was put in a position where she had to raise two children on her own, how would she do that? And she had previously had a job as a civil servant, so she returned to work. Um So then I had two working parents and was raised by my nan. And at some stage, just before my mum went back to work, there was a moment where my dad told me and my brother that he was leaving us, the family. Um, And then we all cried our eyes out. And every time I've been to therapy, uh, it's like, you know, it comes out in the first 40 minutes. There was this thing and it happened. This and the death of my nan are the two things that every therapist hears about in the first 20 minutes of shaking hands with me weeping, crying. You know, in circus, when you're creating a circus act, um, the rule is you do your second best trick first. Yeah. In the act. Yeah. To kind of, and then the rest of it's kind of mellowing through to build to the big finale. The big finale, yeah, which is death of my nan, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is all that kind of When did your nan die? Uh, about ugh, six years after this moment I'm now discussing, where my dad says he's leaving the family. And then a week later is, and in my memory, I have to say, was back the following morning. But I recently uh, had a conversation about this with my mum who said, no, it was about a week. And he was. Um, he said he was leaving, and then he was back. He said he was leaving, and then he was back. What was the and reason I, for him coming I, back? He forgot so something. Essentially, <laughs> you know what it's like. No, I, I, I think this much is fair to say was that um, he'd met someone else and felt absolutely like smashingly obliged to be with this other person who, to his mind, was you know his kind of true soulmate and thus was leaving the family home to be with her. Um, I have spoken to him about a lot of this and that was very much how he felt. And I, I've actually got some compassion for the man knowing that, you know, to feel like that about somebody and, you know, yeah. how torn his heart must have been and, and all of that and to make the decision to leave the family home. But that what transpired was he then lay in bed with the woman he had left his wife to be with and felt wretched for three nights, thinking, what have I done? I've made this terrible mistake. I've broken up my family. And uh, then came back to my mum and said, look, I, I've made a you know a, a terrible mistake. What can I do to put it right? <clears throat> and my mum said, well, obviously, you can never see that woman again. And, you know, that was it. And he never spoke to her again in his life. Oh, well, oh he, and he, he committed to it. it. He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did commit to it. Um so that was what inspired my mum to go back to work, which is what I, my, why I then had two working parents, which meant yeah, my mum's mum, my nan stepped in. And now, thanks to some recent therapy, I understand essentially became my mum. 
you know, became a second mum. My nan had always been around in my childhood, but now here she was really doing the heavy lifting, you know, and uh, picking us up from school and all of that malarkey. As a kid, it seems from what you're telling me now, you have these two parents who, for whatever reason, seem a little, um, how do I put this? They just seem a little un unstable or maybe in your own from your own words a bit unprepared for parenthood um did they feel did you feel fathered by your dad or you know cared for by them well i think that was it is what i really what having children helped me understand and i'm delighted to be the first of your guests who is an actual father because i think from here on in you'll hear the same thing so it's nice to at least not be, uh, you know, playing the same record that you will be hearing ever onward. But ultimately, nothing changes your perspective on your own parents like having children. Mm. You do suddenly see yourself as part of a lineage of people who were just making it up as they were going along. That is actually Um, the common thread that we've had, is that no parent has a manual. And no matter how well-prepared a parent thinks or a human being thinks, they are never prepared for the magnitude of raising children. And yeah. I guess parenthood is one of those things where you get a really brutal peer review at the end. Well, <clears throat> I mean, unfortunately, Ruben, we, we, we cross over now into slight territory that has become the drum I bang to anyone with ears, which is that we fundamentally do not live as we have evolved to live. No, I absolutely agree. The human creature has been designed over hundreds of thousands of years to live amongst a tribe of its peers. Mm -hmm. Everything that we now associate with being just, in inverted commas, the way it is, is not just the way it is. It's symptoms of trauma that we inflict on each other by not living in the way that we are evolved to exist. Because we live in like a very personally, socially isolated kind of, you go through it alone instead of your community. You don't have a a multi-generational community around us. Is that what you're getting at? Even the degree to which we share all of this stuff, because we all go back to our little boxes you know, and it isn't just people next mm. door and over the road and over the road and, you know, yes. three in this room and six in that room. That's how it's meant to be. How we love that sense of communal kinship, that thing that actually makes us feel refreshed and at peace. You know, like if you ever go camping with a group of people that you actually really like, there's something like unbelievably nourishing about it, even if you hate camping, because there's just this thing about having to rely on people and do something practical and feed one another and keep an eye out. It almost makes, it almost makes shitting into a bush worth it. (laughs) It almost does. Almost does. Just back to this, your dad has obviously struggled to be like a clear, dependable role model for your family for a multitude of reasons. But how do you think that sort of affected you? And then I guess the addendum onto that is as a first dad, how do you think it's changed your parenting? Well, sadly, without us knowing it, our fathers are setting a kind of um, blueprint, aren't they, for what Mm -hmm. we are going to go on to become if we are men and our mothers are setting a blueprint for what we will go on to become if we're women. I don't. 
um, say this in any gendered or prescriptive way. I just mean that's the way it's been described to me by psychologists. If mm-hmm. you know, if, if people want to be very mm-hmm. angry about that, say, well, actually, no. I think you're, you know, fine. Uh, forgive me. This is my understanding of it. But yeah, um, you know, ultimately, the lesson I took from it was the sort of woman I needed to find in my life was somebody who would look after me and understand me, uh, which was my mum. Uh, and the sort of man I needed to be to get a woman like that was somebody who worked very hard and earned lots of money. And if they weren't around a lot, that wasn't great. And then knowing what did for their marriage in the end was my dad not being honest about um, the state of the family finances, which led to a sort of financial collapse, Um, not once, but twice, and it was the dishonesty ultimately that meant my mum felt she could no longer remain married to somebody who was putting her security at risk. Of course. So I then latterly knew that, okay, so to be a man married to that sort of woman, you uh, have to, you know, earn a reasonable amount of money, uh, have a good time, tell lots of jokes, you know, be a bit of a lad. Um, and not lie about where the money is or yeah. how much of it there is. <laughs> that does help. Um, and, I'd, I'd love you know, to think... And not fuck about and not, you know, not have affairs. Uh, that's how you keep someone. And I ultimately entered a marriage myself thinking, well, as long as I am that, then all gravy. And the problem is that the person I married hadn't been raised by my mum to be a blueprint of my mum. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and therefore me thinking I'm doing all the right things to be a good husband and my soon to be ex-wife thinking I'm doing all the good things it takes to be a good wife meant that we weren't really on the same page about what our expectations of that were. And it took marriage guidance counseling to figure that much out. Um, but by that point, I think, uh, we'd arguably kind of you know we were trying to fix something that needed a lot of time spending on it at a point where I was about to move out of home on a job for a year and so it meant that by the time the pandemic came we were sort of trying to pick up pieces that unfortunately couldn't stick back together and you know just lest we get too deep in the daddy issue stuff I mean this is a bloke who absolutely did his entire best for me Mm. and the example he'd been set by his father, you know, how my dad raised me was totally a reaction against that. My dad went out of his way always to tell us how much he loved us and, you know, uh, and came to all the school plays and, you know, if we were playing sports, we'd be trying to be at the games and all of that stuff. And you don't think his father did the same for him? I think he was raised by a man who had much more of a sense of you better be getting on with something and you better be making something of yourself. Mm. That was much, you know, it was that post-war thing of, right, you know, pull your socks up, everyone, because this country's about to have to work its way out of quite the hole. So, you know, and, and, and my grandfather was a working-class Dundonian who was raised by a street-sleeping alcoholic. So, <laughs> you know... All, all I would say in all of this is I really do not feel any great animosity or, or, or negativity towards my um, father, certainly none towards my mother, but really none mm. towards my father, who I really just do see as a bloke who was trying his best with the available information to do the thing he felt most compelled and able to do. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do. And you've also, you've described here, you've described your mum as the poster girl for mums. Yeah. Get a little, give me a rundown. Everything I can think of with my mum is that all she ever did was tell us how much she loved us, that she would do absolutely mm. anything for us, that there was nothing we could ever do that would mean she wouldn't love us, that if it came to it, she would sell everything she ever had to make sure we were okay. And not only did she say all of these things, but she did back it up in the ways that she kept the family together and the choices she made to keep the family together, to keep everything as solvent as possible. Um, She walked the walk, man. And then when she did split up with my dad, we had this tiny little house, you know, that was like a real sliver of a a house. And um, that was the period where me and my brother were in our teenage years. And that was the house that all of our friends hung out in. And even now, my best friends from that time in my life will always ask after my mum and want to know that she's well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. How's Mama Hound? Yeah. So I honestly, honestly, that's the thing is I, having tried to do the therapy and the early developmental stuff and, you know, what an ideal mother would have been and what's this thing that I lack inside myself that I need to soothe. Honestly, I... I just get to this thing of where it comes to my mum and it's just not there. In fact, as, as somewhat proof of that, I had a, a, a terrible existential thing once on stage where my mum was in the audience and had had a couple of drinks and I took to the room, it was about 50 in the crowd, and I said something, it was fairly early on in my gigging days, I said something and my mum joined in and <laughs> the whole room takes a bit of a moment, you know. Um, so I ignored it. Anyway, I carry on and do a bit more of the routine and uh, get to laugh. And my mum says something else. And I stop the gig and I say, listen, these people don't realise you're my mum. They just think you're a mad woman in the front audience of uh, the front row of a comedy club. And if you keep heckling, I have to put you down. And, <laughs> and let's, let's just not get into that. Just shush, old lady. Just quiet, please. I did another did joke. She, she joined... I did another joke. She joined in. Uh, I turned to her and I said, listen, 
I really can't stress enough. Everyone in this room has a very fixed expectation of how this goes. You have to now <laughs> not speak anymore. <laughs> and she just nodded. Uh, so I did another joke and she joined in and I turned on my head and went, Sharp, you cunt! <laughs> right? And it obviously brought the house down, right? And and afterwards, my mum was coming over and patting me on the back like, you know, that was absolutely, that was so funny, well done. You know, I really felt like I teed you up for that. You know, I knew exactly what we were doing there and all this. And and she did. You know, my mum's a funny woman. All of the explanation, even though she was maybe a little bit juicy because she was pride, you know, full of pride that I was on. But she still knew what she was doing. But honestly, I think I phoned her every day for the rest of that week and just said it just it fills me a little it fills my heart with a little bit of tar that 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 moment occurred for me to make a room full of people laugh. And I know you were in on it, and I know you know you were part of the joke in a way, but it's still how, not right. Like it still hurts me a great deal deep down. How much? How much do you think she she knew she was going? I'm just going to. He's going to blow his top at me, and it's going to be funny. How how ahead of the joke do you think she oh, was? She totally was. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was in on it. Yeah. Can I? Your mum has married again. This is Carl, the Carl oh. who doesn't get on the on the WhatsApp group. That's What's he? Yeah, anonymous Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anonymous, but with a name. Um, what, Wiggy. Oh, God, he's not got one. He's got two. Yeah. Carl slash no, Wiggy. I mean, he isn't Carl, really. He is Wiggy. It seems weird to call him Carl. Give me a rundown. What kind of man is Wiggy? Well, this was the thing. You see, my dad being a bit of a sort of flashy character, um, my mum then marries a man who's a concrete engineer from Halifax. And it felt like she'd almost deliberately gone out and found the antithesis of the man she'd been married to for 20 plus years previous. And what's your relationship with Wiggy like? Well, this was the thing. It didn't need to be a relationship. He seemed like a decent enough bloke. And as long as he was making my mum happy, then great. You know, I obviously want my mum to be happy. They've been together now for nearly 20 years or something, coming up to 20 years, I think. And it dawned on me three or four years ago that my children really do consider him their granddad. Has he has he taken on that role himself? Completely, yeah. And, you know, when they all hang out together, he makes a point of ensuring he spent some good time with the kids. He's phenomenal and kind and thoughtful. And um, when we've been on holiday with them, um, we uh, he and my son slept out in the garden so that my son could show him how to play Subway Surfer until three o'clock in the morning, you know, because that's what he was super into. And God love Wiggy, he sat in that tent and watched my son play Subway Surfer until he basically fell asleep holding the thing. <laughs> so, You're going to have to tell me what Subway Surfer is at some oh, point. Is it something I'm game, missing out on? Yeah, no, it's some dopey mobile phone game. You know, we just swipe up, down, left, right. Kids play it. That is absolutely adorable and so out of the realm of anyone over the age of 38. Yeah, but that How was How patient. I, I got to applaud. I got to applaud the the stepfathers out there. I've got a an incredible stepfather, Mike, who came in to our family and he had two kids who – me and my brother could not be left alone together. We try and kill each other. My parents didn't want me medicated for ADHD. I would break everything. I couldn't be told what to do. And my stepfather just came in, and I think a lot of step parents would go, right, well, 
I didn't really sign up for the kids. I signed up for the person I'm in love with and the kids are yeah. part of this. And then through that, through their tenacity, they become they become another parent. They become this, you know, huge part of the kids' lives as well. Yeah. I just think a, 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 a I know. I want, I'd, I'd say a cheers, but it's it's just gone midday. Um, a cheers or some kind of tribute, a twenty-one gun uh, salute to all of the amazing I'll, step parents out there. I'll open another one for you, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, here's the sort of slightly um, kooky tale. Go on. Is that my mum always had loved the idea of being an actor, but had not been raised by people who entertained that idea for even a moment. Dangerous territory. Um, yeah, quite. But that was always my mum. If my mum could have lived any life, she'd have been an actor. Instead, she joined the civil service. Um, but when she was a younger woman, she joined the Amateur Dramatic Society and did all sorts of supporting roles in various productions, but then got cast as the lead and had to drop out of the production. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, because she fell pregnant with me. Oh, no. This is a whole Mama Rose segment where she's blaming you for her not ever being able to tread the boards. That's it. Uh, I no, see the whole Norma was... Desmond moment happening right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she was upset. But on the night of um, of when I opened in One Man, Two Governors, mm. I got an opening night card and a copy of Goldoni's A Servant of Two Masters. And I opened the front cover, and in it, it said, Havering Borough Amateur Dramatics Group. And underneath at the bottom, checked out, was Lynn Simpson. And that was the part that she was going to play. Oh! The same part that I was now going to play um, for the National Theatre on tour. (sighs) Oh, that's so fucking amazing. It's mad, isn't it? I've got a little tear in my eye. (laughs) If it wasn't filled with cosmetics, it could probably run down my cheek. It's so full of seal blubber that it's too gelatinous to move. (laughs) How old do you think I am that I'm using seal blubber in my cosmetics? Do you think I'm using ambergris in my perfume? It's that we haven't got the video turned on because I fear my I don't have the internet bandwidth to support it. So I'm just going on the voice as to what your look is. <laughs> and I'm going three parts sea witch to one part <laughs> Lily Savage, I think. You know, it's that kind of... Just based on this glam. voice, can you please give me an audio description of what you think my face looks like? Um, I'm seeing a big red glittered lip. And a green glitter eyeshadow kind of look. And I don't know why, but a sort of latex balaclava and a, 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 I mean a big wig. I mean the kind of wig that Dolly Parton would look at and go, are you absolutely convinced this is a good idea? Do you know what, Rufus? Um, I'm not going to contradict you on any of this. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to comment. We're just going to wait and see until we finally meet face-to-face. All right, lovely. But in that the meantime, is a- know that that's what I'll be tucking away. As long as you're tucking away something, you should see what I'm tucking away.
All right, let's take a little break from the chat and move on to one of my favorite parts of Come to Daddy, which is the Come to Daddy Pick and Mix. Cue the jingle. Nope, we don't have one yet. Later, season two, we'll have budget. And you've picked... Daddy, Daddy, look, I'm doing a dive. Did you have any tactics to try and get your parents' attention? The family video most beloved with my dad having owned one of the early VCRs, uh, oh, sorry, not VCRs, like camcorder things, is of me at age three in a little spacesuit singing, I'm putting on my top hat, um, literally making every effort I can to stand in front of my brother, opening my body as wide as it will go to obscure any vision of him as I sing and dance about. I'm going to say this right now, that is fucking camp. <laughs> yeah, you'd be right, man. You should see the video. Yikes. So the final thing that we do here, the final thing we do is a thing called Shall I Be Mother? Shall I Be Mother? And normally in the case of these things being face-to-face, you would stare into my eyes, green eye shadow and all, and as if I am your mother or your father or Wiggy, whichever you feel, (laughs) what would you say to me now? Well, I've said this to Wiggy, so I'll say it to him again which is that you came into this family to be my mum's husband, but you have undoubtedly, undoubtedly become the children's uh, grandfather. So your place in our family is, uh, you know, beyond question. But moreover, in that time too, I've taken more advice from you than I think I've taken from my biological father. So by this point, understanding that you're my kid's grandfather and you're also the man I turn to for advice... And I have to actually accept that you're really my dad too. So I love you, Dad. Rufus Hound, thank you for coming to Daddy. You're welcome. Hope it wipes off. (laughs) (laughs) That was Rufus Hound on Come to Daddy. Rufus, where can we get more Hound? Where can we see you next? Uh well, I mean, just follow me on Twitter, really. If I've got anything of note, I'll let you know on there. But uh, next year, I'll be back on tour with Paulo Circus, which is the absolute bee's knees. And from there, who knows the world? <laughs> Fan fucking tastic. Thank you so much, mate. That is brilliant. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.